Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Welcome to another episode of Cannell and Bell. Brady Quinn, thanks for joining me today, man. A little to be here. Christmas be special. Here. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, man. We got... We do, but I got something for you before we get before started. we get started. Yeah, All right. I'm bearing gifts now. I what? I can't take credit for this. Okay, but I am sitting in Danny's seat, and yeah. Danny did get you a Christmas gift. So hold on, Danny. Where is Danny, by the way? No idea. Probably golfing. There you go. So let me see. Hold on. Are you a? You gonna shake it? Yeah. Should I take a guess at it? I mean, I've, I've got a couple of guesses. Say turtleneck, maybe. It's like a fashion. Oh, you're gonna need something to rip that open. Yeah. Let's see. Come on. Let's get under that. Oh Jesus, Danny, you got it all. This came directly from Amazon or wherever it was shipped. You can tell based on the box. There's like, I don't have keys or anything. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. You can tell you shop a decent amount on Amazon. Yeah. There it is. That. That's straight dad strength. What do we got there? <laughs> Danny pack. <laughs> well played, sir. We got, we got the Herschel. Supply company, it's Fanny pretty, Pack. Pretty dope though. That's a good brand, right? That's, that's fashionable. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Danny. Uh, my kids are actually, we're getting them Fanny Packs. Really? Yeah. It's coming back around. I pulled them and I had two out of three say that they would rock a Fanny Pack. They would like one. So we're going to go with that. We, we talked off air about the Santa Claus stuff. Yeah. We talked about that. You're all in on Santa. You're, I am, I am so all in that I, I'll admit this. Yeah. Uh, 1% of me uh-huh. still believes or wants yeah. to believe that Santa Claus is real. It, it's, it's just, it's a great time of year. I yeah. think everyone would like to believe that a jolly old big guy who just flies around and gives everyone gifts. I would love to think that's actually true. It's a magical thought. Um, but if in case there's any young kids out there listening. Yeah. It is true. Sure, for sure, Wink. Um, and fingers are crossed for you that, um, you know where else fingers are crossed right now and they could use a gift from Santa? Yeah. The Patriots. Ooh. Yeah, they really could, right? Like they lost Josh Gordon yesterday, uh, suspended indefinitely again for violating, uh, whatever you know, his, his league. Yeah. I mean, look, he's, he's got some uh, mental health issues yeah. with and substance abuse as well. So. so I guess my question for you and, and all jokes aside, like I hope that the young man actually, you know, gets himself together both mentally and, and physically, but what's your level of concern in new England now? Cause they're currently nine and five. They lost two straight. Uh, they're sitting in third in the AFC playoff race. They don't get to buy. I felt like if any team really needed to buy, it was the older looking Patriots this year. Now they lose their deep threat. Like wh- where are you at with them? Yeah, it's it's concerning the way they played the past couple of weeks. They just have not looked like the New England Patriots. Typically, this is a team that is is not penalized very often. They had 14 last week versus Pittsburgh. Um, they're better against the run. Jalen Samuels went off. Now yep. it looks like he's a viable option for the Steelers because of that game. Um, you know, Tom Brady struggled on third down. Rob Gronkowski doesn't look healthy. Uh, so you, you start looking at this team, and and typically these issues that they're having, right? This is like the first half of the season. This, yeah. isn't, this isn't at this point in the season. Correct. Usually they're rolling. Now, they do play the Bills and then Jets coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorable matchups for them, divisional opponents. Tom Brady's been phenomenal throughout the course of his career versus both those two. And they're, and they're both starting rookie quarterbacks. So it, it sets up well for them to get to 11 wins. It just comes down to whether or not that'll be enough to get back into the, one of the top two spots. Uh, but, you know... It, they need the rest. They need the buy. Yep. Tom Brady's 41. Gronk could use the additional rest. And I think, you know, they're, they're one of the better, uh, prepared teams week in and week out. You give them two weeks to prepare for an opponent, uh, it's kind of lights out. So that amongst the fact that Foxborough versus what they are 
on the road. Yeah. They've not been as good on the road this year, too. So all those things would lead me to be concerned if I'm a Patriots fan, even though usually we see them overcome this. Right. But not so much from playing the wild card. They are not a good team playing the wild card. They haven't done it in a long time. I want to ask you a question about Tom Brady, and I want to – like, I know the physical. Like, at 41, there's no way you're, you're getting better. You are on that back end of your career, whether it's a fall-off-the-cliff type of decline or a gradual one. Um, that, you know, that's debatable. Some people say you just fall off a cliff. I tend to think it's more, like, gradual. Like, you just slow down and you start to see the chinks in the armor – but I want to ask you about what you've seen from him mentally lately. Like, and we talked, you know, when I was on with Danny the last time they played, a couple of the mistakes down the stretch for him, yeah. like not throwing, th- those are interesting to me because that's not a physical thing. Like, that's, that's the thing that, like, if I saw a basketball player who was the GOAT making mistakes that I'm not used to seeing, I have to wonder if there's maybe something, you know, just going on in, in your life. Do you know what I mean? Like, those are yeah. mental hiccups, not physical. I- I, I don't know so much if there's things going on in his life. I just think the decision making down the stretch, he's pressing and we're now in an era where, you know, I don't care who you are. Yeah. You know, when, when, even if you're Tom Brady, you're still aware of what else is going on in the league right now. And people are watching Patrick Mahomes. People are watching some of these other, uh, more gifted quarterbacks and what they're doing. And I just, I feel like, um, as, as a quarterback in the league, you have a tendency to, to sometimes try to replicate Keep that. up with the Joneses, so to yeah, speak? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. And I think the, the interception in particular that Joe Hayden made an incredible play on, that showed to me as much as it was decision-making, because he could have just eaten it and taken a sack. Right. It, it, it all, or, or, or tried to throw it away somewhere else that was maybe closer, but you know he's in the pocket. You don't want to get called for intentional grounding. There's right. all, all, all of a sudden issues that come with that. But I just don't think he has the physical ability to do and make that kind of throw anymore. He couldn't get his feet and his body around. To make that kind of flow, throw and flick it out of bounds, so um, that that is more of Father Tom, I think, catching up. I just I've said this all week. I think we need to start to appreciate Tom Brady, what he's doing right now, because we don't really know when it's going to be over. Right. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. Um. So as, as it pertains to Josh Gordon specifically, um, I felt like they kind of baby stepped into like integrating him into offense, but then he became a big part of yeah. what they did. He was the threat that could yeah. take the top off of the offense. Now you're talking about you know Julian Edelman. Really, really good, but not really scaring no. defense. It's not really keeping you honest necessarily over the top. Uh, Philip Dorsett, like he's alright. He's a Miami kid, yeah. so I love him. Uh, and then Gronk, who looks like Robocop out there all the time. So, <laughs> so you know what? I mean, I know their formula is kind of dink and dunk, hit the open yeah. guy precision anyway, but. This is their formula. It's, it's, it's that. It's a triangle, right? So, so basically, they work this portion of the field. There's Gronk, there's Edelman, and then they run the football and they'll hit one of these two guys over the middle. That's what they do. It's right. probably not a great example, but they, they run a triangle in that space because those are the pieces that they have. Yeah. The question is whether or not they can all of a sudden start to threaten the outside and threaten teams with those deep balls. Uh, and they don't have that guy right now. Not, yeah. not that, not that's going to consistently threaten you in that way. And I think that's, that's the tough part for them is now the pressure falls on Josh McDaniels because he's got to come up with more creative ways to do that as well as Tom Brady because it puts more pressure on him where he's going to have to have more production working with less. Like I, I attribute to this. Like name your favorite place to go eat, right? Yep. Uh, Mastro's down here in South Florida. Sure. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like the steaks are great. That's why you go there. You go for a good steak. Right. But it, it's not just the steak that makes that place great, right? Like it's not just Tom Brady. It's like the pieces out around him. And all of a sudden, if your sides aren't aren't as good sure. anymore, or your appetizer, meal's not the same. Maybe your service isn't dominant. Yeah. It takes away from the experience, and, and that's what I think we're taking away. You're taking away one of his best options, and really now guys like Cordell Patterson's going to have to step up in a big way, as well as Edelman and really Hogan on the outside as well. So you know who has like masterfully cooked a fantastic meal and the ambiance is great better than you expected you went to three star expecting three star and now yeah. you got like four and a half stars you're writing a nice review on yelp 
It's Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Yeah. You play for Pete. Um, they've turned this around really quick. Like Legion of Boom out the door. Russell Wilson accounted for like 85% of their offense, uh, last year. Now they're like, what, second or third, first in the league in rushing yards per game. Like they've really had, you know, a really quick turnaround. Talk to me about Pete Carroll, how he's done it. Are they for real? Can they challenge, uh, the, the Chiefs this week? Yeah, they definitely can challenge the Chiefs. I wouldn't be shocked if they won. I mean, that's, that's one of my bets if you're looking at it saying you're taking the two, two and a half points, whatever it is now, and, and you're betting on Russell Wilson, the Seahawks being able to hold, you know, home field advantage, even though they haven't been great this year compared to years past. Uh, but to your point, you know, it, I think it's hard for people as you get older, and, and maybe this is just me, like to change or yeah. to be open to sure. be flexible to other things. Sure. Like, I think we usually tend to be like the older we get, well, this is what I like. Sure. I'm just going to stick with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Right? We don't want to go to that uncomfortable area. You know, Pete Carroll uh, realized that he needed to make some changes in the offseason. So he brings in Brian Schottheimer as the offensive coordinator. Right. Wants to get back to running the football. He moves on from a guy in Tom Cable who I really loved during my time there as an offensive line coach. But it just wasn't working out with the pieces that they had. They bring in Mike Solari. Now all of a sudden, this is maybe the best offensive line that Russell Wilson's had since he's been there. So those two things combined helped the running game. And then it was John Schneider as general manager. Like the job he did figuring out pieces that before it happened, yeah. he already had Tedrick Thompson and Shaquille Griffin and, you know, Trey Flowers who came in as a rookie this year, but they had some of those pieces. Brad McDougal. Yeah. Help taking over. Like they knew they were going to lose Cam Chancellor eventually, Earl Thomas eventually, Richard Sherman eventually. They had those pieces in place and they gave them reps, they gave them opportunities. And when it was time, they, they got inserted in and they're playing very similar to what the Legion of Boom was. Maybe not as physical, but that's more of a product of where the league's at right now as far as what they were. Uh, but they're playing really, really good football. And I think you got to credit all those, those pieces, but really Pete Carroll for being open to wanting to go back to the drawing board, making some tough changes, and it's paid off huge dividends. Yeah, all the great ones kind of, they can grow and like evolve with the times, right? Figure out new stuff, not be just stuck with what, with what used to work, right? Yeah. When it doesn't necessarily work anymore. Um, I want to ask you about Russ because I had this conversation with Danny. Um, so yeah, they're first in the yard in rushing yards per game, right? But let's, and, and in theory, like if I'm playing the Rams or the Chiefs or one of these high flying offenses, one of the yeah. best defenses against that to keep those guys off the field, right? Yep. Let's just take the sure, air out of the game. ball. Limit their possessions. Yeah. I, but I do feel like being 27th in the league in pass yards per game for them is a little anemic. Like I feel like the offense, if you can't take the air out of the ball, could be a little too anemic to, to stack up. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't know yeah. why I feel like that, but I, I would love to see Russell Wilson in that offense, like be first and run in the in the ball and like middle of the pack in terms of throwing the ball. That would be prolific offense, but I'd love to see that. Yeah, look, two things. So look at the red zone at the bottom, right? Sixty five percent, that's eighth, and then look at scoring. Like those are really only the two things that matter. Now. Yeah. Okay. Like if, if if you were that concerned about your offense and you weren't putting up points like down in the red zone where it's a condensed portion of the field and teams are able to really play past coverage yeah. but cheats with their safeties to be good against the run then you'd be more concerned. But they've been pretty good in those situations and still putting points up on the board. So I, I'm not as concerned because I've also seen Russell Wilson do it. Right, right, right. right. Like we know when the game's on the line. Totally. It's going to be Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin. They're going to make a play or Tyler Lockett. Like they're going to make a play to help them win the game. So I'm not as concerned by it because I think we've seen them uh, be able to have success in past years. And even sometimes this year's doing it too. Uh, and I know Baldwin was banged up for a little bit, but um, all that stuff plays a factor in it. But I, I think it's more of just the style of how they're playing 
I wouldn't get so caught up in in what you're seeing as far as their ranking. You do think that they could like they have the chops. You got the Bears, you got the Rams, you have them. Do you think that they could come out or are they in a tier below um those other two teams possibly? Yeah, it's just you know their defense isn't as good as, you know, the Bears, maybe even the Vikings if they make it in yeah. um or or the Saints for that matter the way they're playing. I don't know, you know, to your point, like their their passing game is going to be as impactful as like what Drew Brees or the Rams when they're on yep. are doing in the NFC. Uh, but the running game is. So, you know, again, I think if they had home field advantage, it would be a different story. But given that they're going to be a wild card team, yeah. to go on the road and be road warriors to do it, that's going to be the difficult part. Because this team is much better playing at home in that environment, Century Link, than, than having to play on the road. How well do you know Pete Carroll? Decently well. No, I mean, like on a football, like basketball, there are 15 of us. So you get to know your head coach yeah, pretty well. Yeah, like the I, relationship. You know, that's the thing is I, I played against them for a long time out yeah. of college. My yeah. entire college career against USC every single year. Yeah. Got to know him a decent amount over just being there because I was at the facility all the time. Yeah, and he's at the facility all the time. Right. So you get to kind of know him a little bit as a person. And, and I think one of the things about Pete that's incredible is, I, I I think it's genuine. I don't know that it's genuine, but I think it's genuine. Yeah. He could get you to do anything because he's so positive, and, and that's all he talks about is the little things that you know he wants to work on, what you want to focus on, and just the way he views the game. Like he sure, the preseason, like this. It's is an, that's infectious, man. It, it's yeah. infectious. Yeah. The locker room plays to it. And he would talk about like kicking the crap out of someone in preseason. He goes, I don't care. I don't care what it is. It's a chance to compete. Correct. We're, we're going to be on television. Let's go beat their butt. And, and we don't, we don't need to worry about it. First, second, third string, whatever it is. That's our goal every single time. Pedal to the metal. We don't care. Yeah. I love that. Mike D'Antoni was like that. And he always got everyone to buy in, be the best version of themselves. Uh, it's important in a coach coming up after the break. We're going to talk about Mike D'Antoni and one of his superstars, uh, that's now hurt again. Uh, is there a panic in Houston? And we'll get to some other stuff. Cam George is trolling people again. Uh, all that next on Canelo and Bell. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, let's get to the Western Conference standards. Here we go. Nuggets still surprising. You follow the NBA until like after Christmas? Are you? Uh, usually it depends. Look, when when LeBron was in the Cavs, yeah, audit a lot more, a lot heavily, uh, more heavily than I have in, in past years. Now it's a little tough. Isn't the Lakers? Yeah, I, I gotta be honest, dude. The Nuggets and the Thunder sitting there at, at like one and two um, is is really surprising to me uh, through the first whatever of the season. Now the Rockets are eighth. Which is also a big surprise. Um, and they're facing another like catastrophic injury to Chris Paul. This is a hamstring. It's the same hamstring that he went out with, uh, in, in the Western Conference Finals last Didn't year. Didn't they just win five in a row too? Like they just won a bunch. They of- just got their mojo going. Yeah. Um, James Harden's was fantastic. Uh, they're 0 and 5 without Chris Paul this year. And the more concerning thing is he's 33 years old and he's, he's into his first year, half of a season into a four year, $159 million deal. I mean, look, this money is huge. It's the money that's being made in the NBA right now, so I'm not even going to touch on that. But you have an aging superstar that has trouble staying healthy. Yeah. Go. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like the writing's kind of on the wall, right? And if it's not equating to wins having him there, you'd eventually going to have to make some tough decisions. Yep. You know? and, and I don't know the NBA you know, finances as much because, like you said, the money is ridiculous, but you've been in a front office. So probably obviously not this season, right? I, I would assume it's not this season. No. But next season, but you're, he's got a player option for like $41 million. 
that's where I'd probably be, you know, thinking about where I could send them, how I could get this money off my books. Like, believe it or not, this dialogue is taking place, like, right now. Like, they are in the back. This has to be a very real concern for them. Um, look, in, in a perfect world, Chris Paul stays with the Rockets. He's healthy. Him and James Harden right off into the sunset. We vie for championships every year. Yeah. But when he's already showed you, and this isn't just a Houston thing. He was injured a lot in L.A., um, you know, half-season type of injuries, not minor things. Hamstrings, groin, stuff like that, they tend to become like nagging type yeah, of lingering injuries. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's a concern. And you have to, as a front office now, start wondering, you know, when is the right time to sell before the bottom drops out of the stock? You do. You have to have that conversation, whether you do it now or not. Like, to your point, it's probably not now. It's probably a down-the-road deal. But the conversation is being had. Do you concern yourself, though, about, you know, just his leadership, the intangibles, like what he brings to that organization? I think he's fantastic. I love right. Chris Paul. And I, I think he. I mean, do you kind of, do you kind of have to buy into that where if you move on from him, who is that guy for the Rockets to step up in its place? Here's the deal. Yes, I do have to put stock in that. I don't know that I put $159 million stock in leadership, though. Like, I put, I put I'm just being honest with you, dude. Like, I put it in leadership plus availability yeah. and going out there and being like Batman or Robin, whichever you are on any given night. But I can't just pay you that much money just to be a good locker room dude and lead, right? Like, if I can get a guy who's, I don't know, 65% of the leader you are for 45% of the cost, I'm taking that. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's where I'm at with that. And so, you know, I, for me, I've said it all year. I don't think the Rockets can kind of catch that lightning in a bottle again. I think they'll capture it from game to game. They'll look like a really good offensive team. Individual offensive players in the NBA can have fantastic stretches. It's very rare that you see them put together a whole season like they did last year of purely ISO basketball. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know that they can, can, can duplicate that. Uh, and I think this Chris Paul thing is just another domino in the inevitability of them kind of falling back to the pack. So we're 31 games in. Yeah. And given all this, the discussion that we're having right now, do you kind of start to feel panic? Only because, like, in the Western Conference, seating matters so much more than maybe in the East so much, just because maybe lack of parity, if you yeah. will. Um, but more so than ever. Like, you'd like to have the home court advantage. You're sitting at eighth now with this injury. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep that mojo going and be able to kind of climb back up in the Western Conference standings. Yeah. Is it too soon to panic? No, no, no. This this is panic mode. Well, they should have already been in panic mode. Like when they came out of the gates looking as lethargic and and hungover as they did. Like you yeah. didn't you didn't do anything last year. You you got to the Western Conference Finals and you lost. So like we sh we should be hungrier than anybody. And that team didn't come out and reflect that attitude. I was already in panic mode if I was in Houston. Now I'm definitely in panic mode because not only do I know Golden State is an entity, right, and they're in third, yeah, right. But now I got to worry about. Oh shoot, the Thunder look really good. Like George, I mean Paul George is really playing. Denver is coming out of nowhere. They don't look like they're slowing down. They really defend Nikola Jokic. Um, it's fantastic. I got to worry about the Lakers. Like they haven't hit their stride, but they've got LeBron, a bunch of babies, and they got a bunch of money. Like so, the West is only getting better, and I seem to be getting unhealthy, older, and it's not producing right now. So yeah, I'm in pure panic mode. It's funny when you're talking about not producing because there's a player right now where he's as talented as it gets in the NBA, totally. but it's not equating to wins. It's not producing wins, yeah. and that's Anthony Davis. Yeah, he is. You asked me, is it fair to like call him the best or ask if he's the best player in the NBA? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I said, and then we kind of got to the point and we were like, well, talented. You, it's fair to say that he's the most talented guy in the NBA or one of the most talented guys in the NBA. But, you know, when you're not translating that, into wins, right? Then I have to worry about, like, you know, is that 
a real thing? Are these numbers, or are you one of the best players on the planet? Because one of the best players on the planet, like LeBron, for instance, right? you put LeBron on a bad team, LeBron wills that team to finals. Now, that's a GOAT, but let's say a lesser player than LeBron. They'll use any name. I don't really care. But you put him on a bad team, he's going to produce wins. Like, they might not be a top-level team to win a championship, but it's going to produce wins. And AD, the jury's still out on that. You know, so I do believe, and LeBron's been doing a really good job lately. I want to ask you about like his soliciting. Like they've asked him about a lot of players, and yeah. you know he's come out and like I'd love to play with with. But I think AD would need a LeBron or a Kevin Durant or a another alpha type of dude who can lead. He can just do what he does. Some guys are built for numbers. But let me play devil's advocate. Yeah, because LeBron needed some help too. Sure. He went to Miami with a few other really good guys, won some championships. He came back to Cleveland, had Kyrie, had Kevin Love. Yep. And, and so he needed some help too. And like, I'm not trying, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Let me play days. devil's devil's advocate. Okay. <laughs> play devil's devil's. Uh, and by the way, he was in the East that was considerably true. weaker than the West. But he did take that team when he was a baby to right. the finals. To the finals. And got swept. I was there with my dad. Correct. We together. Correct. We walked home with our heads down. But AD, AD, so AD hasn't reached that level though. So do that for me. Like, take a team to the Western Conference Finals. I'm not it's even asking more you to get to the Finals. Though. I mean, that's what I'm saying. This isn't the East. This is the West. Like, well, you've got six other teams that are legitimately could compete, and you've got one in which the Golden State Warriors, that is arguably a super team. I think he's won one playoff series. Okay, so then how much of that is what he has out around him? Because if, if you're going to make the argument oh, that runs, you know, Right, it's, high tides rises all ships. It's a, very, it's a very real thing. It's the reason why he's going to leave New Orleans, because they haven't been able to put the pieces around him to give him the help that he needs. And so I'm not really arguing that he's not, he's fantastic. Yeah. I'm simply saying that he's not the guy in my opinion. He's the guy in terms of his ability, but the guy has this intangible quality about him, right? He'll be like the Steph Curry to Kevin Durant in LA if he went with the kind of like that. Yeah. Like look, Kyrie is phenomenal. He was phenomenal. What did he do before like LeBron came? Like he's phenomenal, but he like, and and maybe he AD you know needs. that roster turned over a lot when LeBron came back. I mean, it was a dramatic shift in who was there. You know, to your point, like LeBron needed uh, maybe to learn how to win, right? Maybe AD just needs that. Maybe it's not an indictment on who he is as as a as a basketball player that that skill set and the way he plays can't produce championships. But maybe if he goes somewhere and plays with a guy like LeBron or a Kevin Durant well, or a Steph Curry, how much did that had to do with Pat Riley, by the way? Like, like, is it also the organization AD could maybe go to where, like, there's a figure like that that helps teach you how to win? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but Pat Riley, when Pat Riley was hands-on every day, I think he had a lot to do with it. And I know Eric Spolster was coaching the team, but Pat had his fingerprints all over that. Right. You know? Like, so at this point, if you're asking me, like, Miami could be a destination, I don't see it being a destination that could help him do that. Again, your roster is kind of... You know, why would you leave New Orleans to go to Miami? Would you, would you consider him, would you consider him like the Kevin Love or the Chris Bosch? Cause those are like perfect examples if you want to talk about guys who put up big stats, couldn't win games, but then made it to a team. Yeah, with absolutely. Like prominent I, play, uh, role players. I want, I want to be 100% clear. He is much better than, uh, way more talented. Kevin Love and, and Chris Bosch, but I would see him in a, in a, you know, both of those guys were the third fiddle. I don't see AD going to a team and being the third fiddle. He'd be the second fiddle in, in an ideal world to a LeBron or to a Kevin Durant. I mean, yeah, like he'd be second, not third. So yeah, it kind of makes sense, but, but not completely the same, you know? So what do you, what do you think about LeBron though in the media being asked questions? First of all, I think it's a stupid question. Like why are you asking a man with, who wants to play with, with Anthony Davis? Like who wouldn't, wouldn't want to play every, with? every player want to play with their, their greats in the game? I mean, maybe not. Maybe they want to go their own and, and maybe that's how it was. I mean, that's how it was. I feel like growing up with like, Jordan, even though he always had Pip and he always had other pieces, but 
Um, I, I think it, not only one is it kind of a bad question because the timing of it. Yeah. Maybe wait till the season doesn't work out or if they're not in the playoffs. Um, but it would be fun to think about a matchup of like Anthony Davis and LeBron on the same team, what that could mean what? or any of the other pieces you could, you want to throw into that, that conversation, right? So who do you think across the landscape of the NBA, uh, guys coming up? So you got Kawhi Leonard options this summer. Anthony Davis option next summer. They're going to have to move him, although they say they won't. Uh, Kevin Durant option this summer. And then you got, let's throw a name like John Wall, Clay Thompson, and those guys. I mean, who do you think would be the best fit with LeBron out of those names? Well, John Wall would be fun. Like, I don't know that Kyrie would want to join up only nah. because, like, he already did that, yeah, right? It's a wrap. Yeah, it, yeah. It's a wrap. It's over. But John Wall kind of presents a player that's similar to that. And obviously, Cleveland had success with that Kyrie, LeBron, and working that way. So maybe John Wall would make some sense. Kawhi makes a lot of sense, too. Yeah. Like, that's a player that, I know things are going great in Toronto right now. Um, or he's doing well in Toronto right now, but, that's a guy that I think would make a lot of sense in, in joining. If he did want to leave, go to L.A., join LeBron, and they'd be a good compliment considering their skill sets. You know what's interesting? They, there's this, like, I'm asking the question, like, their names up there, like Chris Middleton, Clay Thompson, even Bradley Beal, guys like yeah. that. So you've got all this money, and you're in L.A., and the trend is to have, like, these super teams, right, where you have guys, you know, that all have, you know, the ability to go get it and carry a franchise. LeBron cannibalizes a lot of that. Because he needs the ball so much. Yeah. And, and Kyrie coexisted with him at times, but you saw the friction eventually wear on the relationship and it was, awesome. it was only one ball. Um, I, I would make a case that if you surrounded him with some of that youth that you feel is, 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 is going to pair nicely with him going into the future, but you brought in really good two-way guys that could really shoot the ball, like high-level shooters like Clay Thompson's, the Chris Middleton's, uh, the Bradley Beals, that you could also go that route and not necessarily go Anthony Davis, and still have a team that could win championships there in L.A. Was that sort of what they did last year, though, with Cleveland? I mean, didn't they try to surround him more with those type of two-way players who could shoot better? And it was a better compliment to where they were and what they needed to do? Correct, but they were like... And then well, they got there and it they, didn't work out. They were old, like um, J.R. Smiths and Kyle Corvers, and I'm talking about young, like, in their prime type of guys okay. like that. We're... we're we're like, like Kyle's not going to do anything other than catch and shoot. Yeah. Like Bradley Bill, you give him the ball yeah. and say, Hey, go to work and he yeah. can do that, but he is an excellent catch and shoot. Same with like Chris Middleton, right? Like I can give you the ball if I need to. If LeBron's out, we can go get buckets or if LeBron's resting, but you will also catch and shoot. You mentioned Clay. I mean, you really think he'd want to leave what they have going nah, on? I don't. I do not, definitely not to go. If he was going to leave Golden State, I would imagine he'd go somewhere to make his own mark. Yeah. Like if you're, why would you go play second fiddle to LeBron when you've already been doing that winning championships in Golden State? Probably a terrible question, but can he go somewhere else and make his own mark? I feel like he's the type of player that is a really good compliment to everything else they have. Yeah. But like stand alone. Like you, you're a number one wide receiver, right? Or you think you're, you're number two, number three, you have a great statistical year. Yep. Now you go to an NFL team, want to be number one. Guess what? You get the best corner every single Scout week. and report you're every night. That, right? I'm with you on that. I'm with you. I think he is. Good enough to wonder if he could do it, right? Like he's really good and yeah. could probably do it, but not on a really, really good team. Like he'd be a number one, average 25, 26 points a night on a team that was like vying for like the A spot in a, in a, you know, in a playoff race. I was thinking like Cavs, that. but you know. Yeah, right. But selfishly, right? Um, the cat, the Cavs actually got a, a decent, I want to see what Kobe Allman wants to do because they're, they've been playing hard, which is, you know, for a young team, you got to give coach but they credit. Wins. They only have eight wins, but they're playing hard. Um, so, look, we're going to go to break. You know I'm not used to driving, so bear with me. We're going to come back, uh, do Socially Relevant with Hannah. We're going to talk Cam Jordan, who's into it again with a quarterback debate. Um, we'll see where you lie on that. All of that up next on Off the Bench with, or what, just Canella Bell. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. He would have been at every game. He will be at every game. Whether it was away, if it was in London, he will be there. You know, 
you know, drop in anything from me, which is what any great father would do. And um, he's the one that got me a scholarship to ODU. Um, he sat there, made a made a highlight video for me, um, mailed it to literally 250 colleges around the East Coast, and uh, took me to camps all you know every summer. Went to about 10, 15 camps every summer, just doing whatever he could to get me a scholarship. And uh, and then ODU came and um, I jumped on it. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. That's uh, look, I mean, I my dad was a sports dad. Um, he moved us from the Virgin Islands when I was like eleven or twelve because there weren't going to be a whole lot of options there for my sister and I athletically uh, and just you know educationally. Uh, so he moved, quit a job, like he was living in paradise, like you know hanging out and doing what he wanted to do, but made the decision that it was time to come back and, and take a job at the University of Miami so that we'd have some opportunities. And then he was like. Um, his, uh, Heineke, is that how you say his name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was like his dad. Like he made highlight tapes for me and sent them out, mailed them out to colleges. And so, um, you know, this time of year especially, uh, you know, I feel for the kid, man. But, uh, you know, his dad's somewhere watching and I'm sure he's super proud of him right now. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he lost his dad. So yeah. he's somewhere up above hoping yep. down on him. And, and, and that's the thing that's, that's cool about this story and everything is just the impact that like, your families have on getting athletes to the next level. You know, I always felt like without my mom and my dad, the impact they had, like my dad early on, you know, sacrificing to take me to all these different games, money out of his pocket. Yeah. To always have, you know, a shot, right? That was what it was about. It was sure. about having a shot. I mean, and, and much like he talked, Taylor talked about his dad, like my mom, like back when I was in high school, and yeah. was going to these quarterback camps, like it's not like how it is nowadays where you just go to one and all the, all the colleges come to you. Yeah. You had to hustle. You got to drive to each school like they're like, hey, come on down to Tennessee, Philip Fulmer, you know, come on down to South Carolina with Lou Holtz. Right, right. Come down to all these different schools, fly out to Colorado or whatever else. So I was taking all these trips, man, and my mom was with me every step of the way. Yeah. And, um, you know, even to this day, you could tell, like, I, I always, I'll, I'll never forget when I committed. I, I told my, my dad, my dad looked at it like he was an Ohio State alum. And part of him was like, he, he thought it'd be cool to stay at home, close to home, yeah. and go to Ohio State. My mom, she had been wooed by the, one of the coaches at Michigan. She yeah. was like, she thought I would be going to Michigan. So no one was really looking at like Notre Dame. Notre Dame kind of slipped through so the cracks on you. Like, look, I think Notre Dame provides me the best of everything I want. No, it's not what both you two want, but it's what I want. Yeah. And they were obviously a fan of it, but each had their own side of it. I, I never forget. My mom was kind of upset for like the first 24 hours. That's interesting. After I called Coach William to tell him I was going to come play for him. I think my parents were just happy that I got scholarship. They were like, what? You got, somebody's going to take you? Good. Um, you know, I, as a pro, like I called my parents, not after every game, but I talked to my dad after 95% of my games. Yeah. Like he just watched. It didn't matter where we were playing, like what, you know, the NBA league passes, whatever it was, he, he had it. And I talked to him and we, you know, essentially broke down how I played and, and uh, what I could be better at and stuff like that through a through a twelve year career. And you know this now, like as much as it's a thrilling ride to go through when you're in it, you're actually the person doing it. The ups, the downs, like every piece of it, it's an incredible ride. The process is one of the most grueling, difficult things you can ever do to play in a professional sport. Yeah, but then you have kids, and then like all these emotions come out. Whole different like, level. Now I'm now I'm living through them. I'm yeah, through you, and it's it's that much more. Um, exciting at the same time, you're that much more kind of nervous or anxious Absolutely. about it. And I mean, and you know, because your your boys are at age now, it's starting to get competitive. It's much harder to be at games watching as a dad than yeah. it is to be playing. It, but it is a it is a good thing. Um, you talked about quarterback camps, and you know Taylor talked about quarterback camps and grinding, and and you know eventually wanting to be a pro quarterback and wanting to be the best, one of the best to ever do it. And so you had Cam Jordan, 
who was like notorious the apparently. Saints, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, notorious for trolling people. He got into it with a reporter about the reporter's top five quarterbacks because he said something about Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Uh, and Cam challenged the notion that he was a top five of our era type of quarterback. So I'll ask you, like in our era, and we're going to start like late 90s, you came into the league in the late 90s. Ben Roethlisberger, top five quarterback. Um, man, it's tough because, I mean, Cam makes a fair argument in talking about the fact that you've got Tom Brady, mm-hmm. okay, the GOAT, yeah. arguably. Drew Brees, you got to throw into that conversation. Peyton Manning is obviously in that conversation. Yep. I don't know where Brett Favre falls. He probably came a little bit too soon, but he played for such a, a good portion of that, you know, yeah. era coming into it that you'd think he'd be a part of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, possibly. There's a lot of guys and names you could start kind of stacking up if that's the case. Uh, and, but Ben would have to be in there. Like, I know one of his, the, one of the Super Bowl rings that he won, he was a pup early on with the Steelers. It was largely a defensive team. They were led by a rushing yeah. game with Jerome Bettis. But the second one, he was, you know, really the key cog to all of that. So, um, and I hate using wins and losses as an indication for what he is because then you look at a guy like Philip Rivers, who Cam Jordan brought up, and you don't have enough respect for what he's able to do. Now, you look at his rankings, and it's impressive. I mean, and obviously he's going to continue to keep playing longer and longer. But then you, you, if you dive deeper, you have to look at things like, well, look who he's played with. He had the opportunity to play with Heinz Ward. Yeah. You know, arguably potentially a Hall of Famer. Antonio Brown probably will be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. He's had one of the best offensive lines and been in one of the best situations in regards to coaching stability, uh, the organization. Yeah, organizationally, he's, he's been very blessed. Yeah, very lucky. Yeah. And, and then you look at the rest of the guys and their stats, they stack up favorably, but Eli falls in that same category of falling into an organization that has a decent amount of stability, maybe not of late, maybe he's part of that, but still, usually pretty stable. And he won a couple Super Bowls where, granted, he played well, but that was led by two defensive teams yeah, with the way they totally. played in those matchups. And Rivers is like the opposite. Like his stats are there, but he's, I don't know that he's ever really had a team out around him. Maybe as good as what he's got right now. Like this might be the most complete team he's played with, even though he's played with great players, Hall of Fame players, like an LT. Yeah. Um, this would be a big year for, for Phil, because if he could get that, and if he gets that Super Bowl, now he's squarely in the conversation, right? You it's just. It's going to be a big two weeks for him. Yeah. Because if they can win out, they're currently sitting in the fifth seed right now, but they could literally flop with KC. So they would go all the way up to the one seed, have home field advantage throughout, get that first round by instead of having to play in the wild card round. And then all of a sudden switch it with KC. If KC falters and, and if, and if, um, LA wins out, that would be huge too. And helping him, you know, get that. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, all right. Let's move over to handle. Let's get some socially relevant, lighten it up a little bit. Raja, by the way, I am wearing what Danny bought me yesterday Word. for Christmas. So yeah. you have to put on this thing. And you got to wear it the way Danny wants to wear it. What, across? Am I going I, across a sash across my chest? Yeah. Dude, people wear it like that. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. No, no, no. All right, next get segment. It. I got you. I got you. No, no, no. Get it right now. Oh. <laughs> Isn't it right there? <laughs> put it on. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Right, what other segment are you going to wear? Come on. <laughs> Well, speaking of ugly, just kidding. So I asked you guys earlier in the show, or during break, actually, if you guys are going to any ugly sweater parties this year. Brady, you said no, but Roger, you got one coming up, right? Absolutely. Tomorrow night. Okay, same. Mine's tomorrow night. All right, so one guy is wearing an ugly sweater that we absolutely cannot forget. It is so bad. You guys are going to wish you could unsee this. The Pittsburgh Penguins tweeted out this photo. This is a fan named Scott. He shaved his chest in the shape of a Christmas tree with Mario 
Lemieux number 66 on the top. This is by far the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Dude. Don't you think? No, I'm incredibly impressed by it. Are I mean, you? First off, like that sort of body hair, the groomment in that manner. I mean, did he do it himself? Did someone help him? I get a lot of questions about. No, that. There, yeah, there was definitely there was the, assist, the, assist there to the body hair trimming. But dude, who grew, he's like a bear? Can you yeah. imagine if you well, were sitting next he was to in him? Pittsburgh. I mean, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's a winter incredible. coat. I, my brother-in-law plays for the Penguins. I'm gonna have to ask him about this guy and see if he's ever seen him actually up close. No, real talk. You've been at listen. You you grew up in locker rooms. I grew up in locker rooms. Have you ever seen a dude with full? Hair on their belly like that? Not not as as many places as it looked like right there. There's Look, a lot of hair in a lot and of the pose. Places. He's like this. Yeah, he was <laughs> like, excited. About right, he's proud of that. Hockey fans, hockey fans might be up there for the best fans in all professional sports. They're There's different. Totally well, yeah, hockey get after hockey players are different too, though. You right, your brother in law, right. they're different dudes. The whole thing is a little different. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. more old school. Like yeah, they'll yeah. be sitting in the locker room drinking a case of beer. After. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so outside of the holidays, another event that's just days away is the Eagles matchup against the Texans, where the team's playoff hopes are at stake here. So once again, the pressure is on for quarterback Nick Foles, and defensive end Chris Long is taking his support to a whole new level. Long actually built a shrine to the reigning Super Bowl MVP <laughs> in his locker room stall. Now, the shrine includes a picture of Foles when he played for the Rams, a personalized copy of Foles' Believe It book, and of course, some religious candles to top it off. Apparently, Foles saw the shrine. He admitted that he does not like the attention. But Long added, quote, it's not about the attention, it's about energy. Give him some good energy, it's going to work. So guys, how far is too far when it comes That's to fantastic. superstitions like this? It's like Joe Boo, right, from Major League. Right, right. <laughs> if you don't help me now, Joe Boo. Oh, man. I don't know if that's, that's going to help their chances change the energy there. I mean, they've got some good mojo going on. He got a nice performance versus the Rams on the road last week. But uh, I, I just I can't see this working out the way it did last year. Okay, so you're with Pete Prisco. Like, Pete Pete shot me down when I said something about Nick Foles and, and the team responding to him. And, I, again, like, I don't I didn't play football. I don't know anything about it like that. But I do think – that there's some magic with like Nick Foles and that team and that city. And I'm not taking anything away from Carson Wentz. Uh, I know he's fantastic and on paper he's the better guy, but I do buy into like there's some kind of mojo there. The shrine, like I think that they feel good uh, with Nick Foles. I think that they got some mojo, baby. Look, look they've seen him do it before. I, I mean, again, I'm with you. Like Carson Wentz is, the, is your franchise. Yeah. He's more talented. Yeah. They've seen Nick Foles do this in the past. And here's the thing is they've already started their playoffs because they can't afford to lose. So he's already in that playoff mode where he knows he's got to play perfect and he's got to play well to win. And we'll see if they can do it this week because they got Houston coming to town and, and I think that's going to be a tough matchup. Okay. Raja, I don't think you're wearing that right. Like, isn't, isn't you told me like across the, I don't wear, where do you want, where do you want it, Hannah? Like here. Yeah. Where? Isn't the top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you, you go. Want it there? You have okay. the bag hanging like right oh, my here. Bad. I thought it was here. a fanny pack, not like a, a mid chest pack. Anyways, all right, lastly, guys, so yesterday was the finale to Manny Machado's free agent tour. He spent the week traveling to Chicago to meet with the White Sox, New York to chat with the Yankees, and then Philadelphia to sit down with the Phillies. But apparently his arrival in Philly had an unexpected hiccup. He stopped to take a photo with a construction worker who told him, do the right thing and sign, get that money. But then the door to Citizens Bank Park was locked. You can see it here. He's walking up. Luckily, it really wasn't that long before they did let him in. He kind of awkwardly, he tried to <laughs> unlock the door there. So, Raja Brady, people are overreacting to this a little bit. They're saying this could affect his decision, but this was nothing but a bit of a humbling moment, right? Yeah, no, that's, I, like, I, that's, it's, it is interesting though. I mean, that's a little mojo. If you buy into the mojo that I just talked Maybe about. It's with, a bad omen. That's what I'm I saying. Mean, like, like, that's a, it's so, uh, so for starters, how uncomfortable did he look with the camera? Like, like, around. Around. like, he's like, uh, I just want to get out of here right now. <laughs> First off, bad omen. Yeah, totally. by saying that. 
We know he's not going to hustle to another door and try to open it because that's just kind of the player he is. Yeah, right. He's admitted that much. Uh, Johnny Hustle. And uh, isn't Philly supposed to be like City of Brotherly Love? Right? What? <laughs> Listen, Philly gets a Philly, Philly. I don't know how Philly carved out that nickname for themselves. Like they're great when you're great. When you're not great, ain't a whole lot of love to go around in Help Philly. Help a brother out, man. Leave the door unlocked <laughs> for a guy you're trying to woo in there. Well, that is all for Socially Relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. Coming up in just a few, Raja and Brady break down today's leftovers, and Raja is keeping on his outfit. Come on back to Canel and Bell. Welcome back. Headline, Urban Meyer will teach a leadership course at Ohio State University. So apparently, uh, you know, he's retired from coaching, yeah. but he is going to hang around, and he is going to co-teach a course titled Leadership and character in Ohio State's uh, Fisher College of Business. He's going to do it with a another former. Um, I, I guess he was a um, uh, what did he say? A general or something like that in the yeah. army. They're going to teach a course. Um, I just thought it was interesting, right? Because leadership, yes, character debatable. Um, I'm an Urban Meyer fan, though, but I thought that was interesting only because I thought Urban was going to like take a hiatus for another couple of years and then wind up like coaching again. That was what my gut told me. But if he's still at Ohio State. Like maybe that's not really what he's going to wind up doing. Yeah, maybe maybe he is going to decide just to kind of hang it up, and, and this will be what he wants to do so he can spend time with his family, and in particular his grandkids. Yeah. I know that's a bigger part of his life now uh, more than ever. But, you know, look, th this got the type of reaction I think you thought it was going to get uh, from people, in particular on social media, which yeah. is just the armpit of the world. But um, bottom line is everyone's going to hold over, all right, what type of team did he have as far as the players getting arrested during his time at Florida and – Everything that happened with Zach Smith and how he kept him on the staff, everything else. The, the thing I, where I think Urban kind of like obviously gets himself a little bit in trouble is, is is he gives people second chances, right? And I think he wants to believe in the good in them. He wants to believe in their integrity and all this stuff. And you know, sometimes you know, with that, people are going to still make mistakes and they're not going to be able to overcome that. So I think people are holding that against him now because he's yeah doing it. But you tell me, if you're a student, would you not sign up to take that class? Yeah, absolutely. If you got Urban Meyer in there teaching. Yeah, I mean, look, he's been successful regardless of what people want to say about him. Uh, I, I think, unfortunately, because of some of the things that happened, he's been painted in a different light by the media because, also, he hasn't been the friendliest to the media. Yeah. Too. And you know how those people get. They sure, it's vindictive. to grind. For sure. Um, begs another question for me, though. If you're going to be around uh, Columbus and you're going to be at the school, how much will you be around the program? Like, you know, you're not going to coach it. Yeah, but it, that could be a minor distraction if he's lingering and he's around. I'm sure they would want him around in some capacity, right? But like, yeah, how much so. is too much? How much do you think he'll do? Like, you know what I mean? It's a good question. You know, when Oklahoma went through this with Bob Stoops stepping down yeah. and Lincoln Riley ended up replacing him, you know, Bob Stoops has an office at the facility. I mean, his brother at the time was defensive coordinator. Yeah, got a little awkward e this year because they just fired him. Um, but, you know, I think he hangs around the program a little bit. I think different in the sense that I don't think Bob Stoops is going to stay in Norman, Oklahoma for the remainder of his life. Right. right. Like Urban Meyer looks like he wants to stay in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, he's got family there and, and his, his roots really go back to there. So I, I don't see him moving on, but I don't think it's going to be an issue either. I mean, Ryan Day has done a good job. He did earlier this year when Urban was suspended. And I think he trusts him in taking this program. And, and look, he's going to be there for advice if he needs it, but, I think he's going to be probably, especially from a health standpoint, happy to yeah. be able to kind of move on to the next next chapter. That coaching is super stressful, man. It takes its toll. Um, it takes regardless of the age of, it, of the it, player, right? It really does. It takes its toll on you, regardless. And so, talking about another coach who probably looks a lot younger now that he hasn't been coaching at Louisville, Rick Pitino. He just yeah. he just got another job. Like obviously, there was the scandal 
the pay for play uh, accusations at Louisville. Uh, but Panathinaikos, who's like a, a FIBA like power, um, they just signed him. They, they, they've won six Euroleague titles. They uh, they're in Greece. Okay. Um, they started six and seven this year, so they fired their coach Javi Pasquale, uh, and they hired Rick Pitino. He's seven seventy and two seventy one coaching record uh, in the college ranks. He's been to four. Uh, or seven Final Fours, and he's won two national championships. So, you know, how do you think Rick Pitino gets remembered? First of all, I think it's a really good move uh, for him to rehab his image, for him to remind people, you know, exactly what kind of coach he is. I do think that uh, NBA teams, if he goes to Panathinaikos and he makes noise and maybe a year, two years, and they're consistently, you know, right back where they were in, in top in top of the EuroLeague, I do think he could get some interest from NBA teams. Uh, how do you view his 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 career? Well, I view his legacy being more of that at the college level than an NBA. So it's only interesting you say that because, you know, even if he did uh, do a good job over there, I, I, I mean, maybe there would be some NBA teams who would want to bring him in, but he hadn't had as much success with NBA teams. Definitely not. Uh, odd note fact, I, I went trick-or-treating and and I saw Rick Pitino. He was there. We actually walked a few houses. He was there with his family. He happens to be residing down here in South In town. Florida. In town. Fantastic. Down here. And I was I randomly like – I was, I was, you sure it was Rick or not somebody dressed as a vampire? I'm 100%. He looks like a vampire. He did. Yeah. I mean, it could have been, it's just a. (laughs) He looked good. No, he looked good. He looked rested. He looked like he was stressed out by some of the stuff, but I was feeding my daughter. I was looking across. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's Rick Patino. Dude, I know you. He's looking at me. He starts to walk over. He's like, Hey, how you doing? I'm Rick Patino. Yeah. My son, he went to Notre Dame. Sure. We started talking. We're kind of walking, uh, watching, you know, his, uh, you know, kids take their kids around and, and uh, I was kind of taking my kids around, but it was interesting just kind of talking to him, seeing that it seemed like he wanted to kind of step back. Yeah. And not jump right back into it, but obviously he wants to take this opportunity. Why not? It'd be kind of cool to go over and coach in Greece, right? For, kind of for the love of the game. Yeah, dude. I, like I've always said, like to play, if you give me an opportunity at the end of my career to go play over in Europe and experience another culture, why not? Uh, and I do think, to your point, he did not have the most success, you know, at the NBA level, but this is like that, that gap, right? This, this Panathinaikos falls in between college and the NBA. So if you can have, you know, some success at the pro level, um, I do think eventually somebody will, if, if he's, if it's sustained.